All right, welcome back everyone to the Cancel for Maintenance podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are a show that takes a behind-the-scenes look into the gritty, non-glamorous life of aviation maintenance. We share some laughs, impart some wisdom, all in hopes of giving you that split-seconds relief in your day that can prevent a mishap. I am your co-host, Six. I'm MVP. And our third host, Shoreline, is here again silently in the back, monitoring our audio, making sure that our faces stay fit for radio. So we've spoken some episodes. Hey, real ago. quick, should we should we throw out a congratulations to Shoreline? Yeah, congrats, Mister. Congrats, Mister. Shoreline and Bubbles. Yay! <laughs> so for those that, that don't know, they uh, they got hitched over the weekend. So that's uh, big news for them. Very exciting and happy for them. And uh, we wish them all the best uh, for a long and happy life together. Very much so. Like we hope they live as long as they want and have us have all they need for as long as they may live. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we've spoken some episodes ago about AI predictive maintenance, the possibility of robot, I'm sorry, robot mechanics being part of the mix, uh, greener, better engines, air quotes, greener, better engines and so forth. Now, all of this sounds great. Fantastic. So why don't we see much of this anywhere? And matter of fact, any uh, technological innovation, like why don't we see so much of it? And, and it's not like the capability is not there, right? Are there technologies today that could produce better engines, better aircraft, better airliners? Absolutely. 100%. Now, is there a way to make like the make this happen sooner or is there a way for this to uh improve the aircraft fuel efficiency from 30 to 15 percent um help climate change and all that maybe not right but what uh what's really stopping a lot of these from being in our faces and being in the mix today it has to do with like production and test (laughs) for lack of better words production and test yeah, and anybody who's worked in those environments, how many times have you uh, been on a project for months on end or years on end uh, trying to flesh out the uh, all the smoke from the wires, I guess, uh, on a piece of uh, equipment, and then all of a sudden it just it dies and tests, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't become incorporated on anything. And I think that's just because at some point, spending so much time in tests, they go, I think they ju- say that the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Right. And so like um, a lot of this, uh, there's a lot of variables that go into this, especially with production and testing. And some of this has to go do with like technology, maturity and technology reliability. Right. And what we mean by this is, especially with technology maturity is um, the, whatever it is you're trying to incorporate, whatever it is, be it tech, a new system, a new practice, a new way of doing things, it has to grow through some kind of a vetting phase. And depending on what it is, it may take a while. Like uh, some of the aircraft we see in today's world, like the 737 Max or the A320 Neo, or I'm sorry, A321 Neo, or some of the newer fighter planes that the military has or a military has. It looks cool and new now, but those plans and those designs, they probably happened well before they were released, right? Like some in as long as 20 plus years ago, that's it's been in the soup, just trying to figure out its life. And well, okay, adding to that, then look at, look at concept cars, right? Every, every year, auto manufacturers develop new concept cars, some futuristic design, some you know, some far out there features or, or crazy amounts of power, handling capabilities, whatever. We've all seen those cars, those pictures of those cars. And at best, for many of them, there's one prototype out there and it can barely operate under its own power. In many cases, it can't. It's just a shell, you know, with wheels. So so it's one of those things, right? They, they, the design's there, but maybe technology isn't to the point of... Uh, making it right or like you were saying with concept cars like look at the electric car right the first ever electric car was developed in 1901 but the first commercially sold electric car 
I think it was, I want to say it was Tesla. God for God help me if it was not Tesla, but let's just, let's just say it was Tesla. <laughs> it was 2003 when that first came out. Like p- picture that time span, 1901 to 2003. That's like, like almost a full, like a whole turn of the century <laughs> since it was first came developed, like mm-hmm. in concept to when it's commercially sold a car of all things. So imagine an airplane, right? Now, granted with an airplane, it's seen a tremendous progression in technology, right? So from uh, canvas covered wings to shit damn near like non-metallic 80% carbon fiber wings and stuff like that, right? But having that uh, that technological or te- technical maturity, for instance, it's the, the reason behind this is we want to ensure that all its internal flaws or design flaws have either been accounted for or, re- I'm sorry, accounted for reduced or eliminated right Be- especially when you're talking in terms of carrying people like an air- like an airplane we want to make sure that we've accounted for every possible gripe right uh f- yeah so that's why you test it in different settings right you don't just put it in the test cell in a controlled environment and flip on the switch and it works or mostly works you go wow we hit the we've hit this you know we hit the nail on the head right out the gate it's like, well, uh, test it at negative 60 degrees or 70 degrees. Uh, why would we do that? That's kind of the alti- you know, temperatures at altitude it might be operating at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it going to be in an environmentally controlled bay? No. Okay, we tested it that. Oh, it failed on us or the other swing the other way with temperatures and extreme heat. Oh, my gosh, it overheated and fried itself. Okay, well, your, your concept isn't... Uh, vetted yet right and um some of this stuff like what mvp said like in this controlled environment you get a lot of uh individuals with very bright and innovative ideas uh case examples are engineers it sounds extremely awesome on paper it sounds freaking great in um in the cad system or or uh shit is it cad's um CADs are some of the design systems. Yeah, yeah it's like design I, program. I was having a brain fart right now, <laughs> but it, it looks it looks freaking awesome in your design software. But once you actually turn it into material stuff, then like reality sets in, right? Oh, th- this material would be freaking great. It was made out of titanium because titanium doesn't flex a certain way, or it's durable to certain degrees, or whatever the case. Sounds cool until you have to like build a plane out of it, which if anyone's ever worked with titanium, it sucks. <laughs> like it doesn't agree with you. It doesn't mold the way you want it to. It doesn't bend the way you want it to. And, and also it's not cost. You want to get to the main reason of it. It's not cost efficient to build a whole <laughs> aircraft out of titanium. Yeah. <laughs> you go, okay, let's build. We're going to build fuselage wings, everything out of titanium. All right, customer, your plane, uh, which was originally $40 million, is now $350 million. Well, that's quite the price hike. Yeah, but it's all titanium. Yeah, so no. So we, we build some critical parts that we need to out of it, and the rest is all, uh, you know, aluminum and or carbon fiber in today's world. Yep. And, and for lack of better reasons, it's because it's cheap. It, it, it performs almost the exact same way. It's... Pr- Let's get, sorry, another critical aspect, cost, but also the weight. Yes. I mean, titanium's light, but carbon fiber's lighter. Yeah. And for the, the intent that you're trying to go with, it does nearly the exact same thing, and but it's cheaper, right? <laughs> That's why a majority of the 787 is made out of uh, composite material. <laughs> uh, who, what do they call it? Um, the plastic princess. Uh, some uh, people have mentioned, I think Stig. Uh, is actually called it that the plastic princess because <laughs> it's mo- it's mostly just composite it, like not har- hardly any of it's metal now that's great if you want to save weight especially for an aircraft of that size right but going back to like what we're saying about the technology piece right like there's a reason why these things take a while because you have to account for the these flaws or whatever the design is in different scenarios controlled obviously that's going to be step one and then two is like you start to stress test it you start finding out what its maximum limits are and whatever the case may be and this is not just like 
the latest material. This also comes down to software, which if anyone's ever dealt with software, one little digit out of place can send the whole equation out of whack. Oh, and weeks of testing wasted for for one strand of code that was, uh, you know, one number off or one variable off. Right. And then you see, and then, you know, some of them, they're easy to fix. Like they're just patches, right? Like you, you got to fill the code with some extra code or something like that. Others, it takes an entire whole software revision. Like we have to take this back to formula or back to code and then redo the entire script and then try that out again. And sometimes these turn around take forever. Like, I'm not sure if anyone's ever tried having to do a glass mod on a non-glass aircraft, meaning like it went from gauges and, and tubes. and went from, went from analog to digital. Yeah. Like, if you guys have ever done that kind of mod, it sucks, right? I've done it one time and it was a nightmare. It was a wiring nightmare. Yeah. And it's not a fun time. And then that's assuming that the technology is going to be accepted by the new plane or by the old plane. It's kind of like getting donor organs. It's like there's a 50-50 chance it'll work <laughs> or it's going to slightly work, but then you got to constantly keep feed- feeding it like some kind of uh, anti-rejection pills to make sure that it stays working. And that's kind of the issue we're having now with some of these aircraft as they mature, as they get older, you start sticking new parts in it, right? It's, it's going to work. But there's a high there's a high chance like you know it's you you stitch the a wounded pig too many times if the, if that's a terrible analogy I'm sorry <laughs> uh, it's like uh, assimilating uh, bionics with with the human uh, neurological system is it possible it is but uh, not as uh, easy as plug and play as you would hope yeah. And, and then some, and then as you're testing these, right, like a lot of these data points that, that you've incorporated, you can't, you, if it's brand new, never been done before, you kind of have to just guess <laughs> of where you want to have these stopping points, right? There's a set framework in certain places, sure. But if it's brand new, ne- novel, never been done before, you kind of have to ca- just kind of feel for it, right? Or at least have like a general plan and then adjust as necessary. Like, uh, we're going to do a check before first ground turn okay that we've encountered these many problems maybe we should do some checks before that and so forth and so forth so that's kind of where your predictive trends kind of come in from previous builds assuming that they still exist (laughs) that's that's another problem too so it's this is kind of getting into the weeds of like what production and testers do and for the most part most Aircraft mechanics on the field maybe won't see this, right? But it also kind of answers the question of like, okay, we've been promised this greener, better, more efficient engine for some time now, or we've been promised supersonic commercial flights for some time now. Why isn't this happening? Here's your reason. <laughs> the first one and all is we got to make sure that whatever we put into this thing, it's not going to just blow up or, or it's not going to destroy itself. Oh, yeah. I'm talking hundreds, if not thousands of hours of these parts ran inside of a test cell at, at, at all types of conditions and powers uh, ratings, right? And measurements taken every 10 minutes to see uh, efficiency ratings and then part degradation. You know, yeah. uh, we lose, okay, we're this efficient, but over the course of 100 flight hours, at whatever RPM levels, we are efficiency degrades back to what normal engines are. So, okay, right now the technology says we can be more efficient, but not long term. So, how do you you have to make it long term sustainable efficiency to get customers to buy into it? Because the customer is going to go, you want me to spend almost double for this high efficient engine in the hopes that I'll 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 make my money back on the cost of fuel. However, if it's going to lose its efficiency in a hundred hours, you know, again, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I'm not going to spend the money to be right back where I started. Right. And then you brought up a good point too, is like the, the long term of these, like, is this technology going to survive for the time that we're expecting? Right. Uh, example is like, say, the, the SR-71, when it first came out, fucking great, fantastic plane. It did what it's supposed to be doing, and then it became obsolete, <laughs> right? So Yeah, well, and then on the, on the contrary, uh, 
Let's look at the B-52. Came out sometime, what, 1950, 51 time frame. Um, and it is, it's currently going through, they're putting new engines on it and different upgrades and glass cockpits. That That's nearly a century old, uh, you know, uh, in another decade or two, a century old weapon system, nearly unheard of. Uh, you know, and that's what happens when you have a good life cycle uh, sustainment program for a platform. Um, it keeps its value a little bit longer, right? It's proven uh, multi multi mission capable uh, for different uh, missions, I guess to say. You know, uh, yeah. I'm trying not to give away some words that might get me in trouble, so I apologize, everybody, if it seems like I'm stuttering over my words. Yeah, trying not be. to condemn myself uh, <laughs> by the feds, but but so you know with that it had multiple uses in different scenarios, whereas the SR seventy one was kind of a one trick pony, mm-hmm. you know, fast and and it uh, did what it needed to do, and it uh, ended up in museums and boneyards, yeah, uh, except for one. There's still one unaccounted for. Is but, there? You know. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's doing what it needs to do. Yeah. So again, again, you know, like that, the, we're not just, if we're going to waste time making something, we're not going to just have it just survive for only three plus years or maybe just five to 10. We kind of want this to, if we're going to invest in this, we want it to kind of be prepared to make the long haul. Right. Example uh, again, other than the SR 71 or the B 52 is like the seven thirty seven. This thing's still in service. God knows, right? Like uh, many mechanics out there can attest just how some of these uh, parts are harder to come by. They're starting to, they're starting to show their age <laughs> and um, then, then they're starting to refresh it with the 737 Max or uh, Airbus's case, the A320 Neo, right? Same plane or same plane, same concept, just newer stuff, right? And the good part about uh, t- today's world is we're getting a lot faster with prototyping uh, especially with 3d printing being a thing it's a lot easier to kind of get like a scale uh, replica of what we're trying to do or even so or sometimes even go as far as making a whole functioning unit maybe just at a certain size <laughs> or depending on what it is it can actually be full size but that's just the way things are going so this new wave of prototyping things helps with the that um that test phase of figuring out what the internal flaws are granted you know the what materials you're using it can kind of play a factor especially if we're doing uh 3d printing or some kind of additive manufacturing to test it or prototype it but uh, you can you can get a general ballpark idea of how far you're going like there's some whiz kid math that goes into it like okay it's made it's this big made out of this material but if it's made out of this etc 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 i don't know the full math but that's part of it <laughs> um also like um uh, with these different research technologies that come around you know like they have to uh besides having longevity and having a certain application of what they're for they also have to kind of meet the requirements of today and kind of sort of predict what's going on for the future uh what i mean by that is like say right now uh, like say uh carbon emissions is a big thing we want greener better engines for example. So they have to kind of fit themselves in the box, assuming that greener, better engines means, I don't know, 50% less, less carbon emissions. And then they kind of have to sort of predict themselves for the future. It's like, well, is it going to stay 50%? Is it going to go, go less than 50 or higher than 50? Who right, the heck yeah, are, are we going to choke out the motors by whatever emissions uh, designs, you know, we're, we're inputting, think of your, uh, think of your diesel pickup trucks, right? They have all these cats and restrictor plates and things like that on them. And they, and diesels, right. Should be able to run for hundreds of thousands of miles, uh, just with regular maintenance. And they're choking themselves out at 150,000 miles, 200,000 miles. Yeah. When before that same, when, when unrestricted, that engine can go 500 plus. So, uh, you know, there's lots to consider like that. Uh, and, and also, right. So, okay. Or the flavor of the week now is, uh, reduced emissions. Great. 
but what's the next uh but what's the next trend in the industry well six said it earlier uh supersonic flights right we're we're back to the days of the the concord okay cool we want uh we got a plan for the future so how can we be carbon uh reduce carbon emissions and also also go supersonic in speed uh well we need more fuel to do that and more power but that you know more emissions so continual testing uh modification design all those kind of things right so uh you know and then we've all heard the hydrogen uh engines right let's uh off of, based off of water right and producing power and some companies out there are making pretty decent strides in it but you know and then again okay all right hydrogen Ooh, no no more fossil fuels no more dinosaur uh oil but you know, then there comes the turn. Well, where are you getting all your water from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a uh, you know, you burn in salt water, protect the oceans. You burn in fresh water. Hey, what am I going to drink? Yeah, there's caveats to everything, right? You just got to do the best you can with the information you have at the time. Right, exactly, right. And then uh, this is kind of going into the business part. And MVP already mentioned it. We got to kind of consider the entire cost of it, right? Like how if we go with this initiative or we go with this technology, how much is it going to run? Right. Cause every, with any kind of technology or any kind of, uh, startup, there's always some kind of kick up costs or kick off cost. And it's depending on what that is, it can be something along the lines of hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions or, or in some cases, like, especially with, um, higher end, more sophisticated stuff is going to run towards the billions. Right. So, and I don't know if a lot of people know this. Sorry to cut you off, but I don't know if a lot of people know this. Uh, a lot of our most most R&D comes out of the company's pockets unless they're approached by, you know, a government entity or some other big investor or whatever else. Uh, if they're out there, you know, let's say Pratt & Whitney are testing motors uh, and they're trying to get to the, you know, break, break into that next realm of uh whatever that is for their their industry let's say hydrogen motors a lot of the r&d is going to be out of their own pocket so you got to think companies got to save somewhere to have the capital to research to break into that next phase to generate more business to keep the business going and so the cycle repeats itself until the end of time that that's a very good point you mentioned there and that's another reason why a lot of this technology gets kind of delayed is because we, we have great ideas. We have the initiative. We have the technology to do it. We just don't have the money. <laughs> it, if we, if we kind of come to a stopping point, like, okay, this is starting to run in, run past our, our designed budget or our designated budget. And it starts bleeding into our capital or this starts bleeding into other programs that rely on these funds. Then I'm sorry, like on, a maybe question mark versus something that's already tested and proven or is already working. We're going to go with tried and true versus, Hey, let's fuck around and find out. <laughs> that's just the sad reality of it. And, and I think that's kind of the, the thing for us as mechanics too. Like we like the idea of change, but we're not just going to go with any pony that just shows up to the race. We kind of want one that has a history to it. We want something that has like some kind of proven record that it's going to work versus just like hey let's let's just roll the dice and see what happens guys and like yeah yeah that's why you see proof of con- concept stuff Jeez, yeah. i'm hitting puberty again uh you know let's use um let's use some of what uh scale composites has done most of his career mm-hmm. really good at building one-off airframes right mm-hmm. and say hey i got this idea put it on paper okay let's make something out of it let's test fly it and you go, hey, customers, we've got this design. It's capable of this. We've flown it five times, you know. Uh, anybody interested? And then if they get some interested customers, then the, those customers go, go on. You know, they hold a $100 bill in front of, the, front of them, hand them a $100 bill and say, okay, what, what else can it do? And then that's how those, those kind of things go. Yeah. Right. So oftentimes you got to do it out of pocket enough to show, uh, I, the idea can actually, you know, rubber can meet the road. 
a little bit. And then the customer says, yep, that's interesting. Pretty interesting. I need it to do some additional tricks though. Can you make that happen? Sure can, but we're going to need a little, little funding here to make that happen for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you show us what you can do. You can meet our, uh, you can meet our demands and uh, let's talk, uh, let's talk production, you know? Yeah. Uh, and another thing to consider too, is the safety around it. Uh, depending on what region or what nation you are, those safety regulations can be a little loose or it can be really strict. Uh, an example of really loose versus really strict is, uh, for, for instance, our EASA folks over in the in Europe. EASA has a very strict like uh, testing requirement, very strict flying requirements and shit. Like even with the mechanics, like they have to have like so many years of experience just to be licensed. And then they have to take X amount more to get the same amount of work done versus uh, other places. It wasn't like 16 years almost to be considered a fully qualified mechanic, fully qualified mechanic. Like, yeah, that's like doctorate levels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that kind of, then again, that's why they get to be called engineers instead of mechanics. Right. Yeah. And then, and then even at that, like they could only hold like five certifications for type rated aircraft. Was it five yeah, three or three or five somewhere in there? Yeah. So that's insane. Like, uh, other places like say for the US, like shit, you're you're licensed. If you're certified, yeah, do it. If you can be certified in everything yeah. from canvas planes to helicopters, for all we yeah. give a shit. You, <laughs> do you have a license? Yes. Have tools? Yes. Can work? Yes. Get to work. <laughs> I got you, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> We're willing to travel? Nope. Well, uh, the maybe. <laughs> well, let's just turn that into a yes, and then you're hired. Cool. Run. Roll yeah. it. Uh, no, I don't think travel is going to work for me. I'm just going to mark you down as yes. Welcome aboard. <laughs> <laughs> right. But again, with the, but again, with the safety thing, right? So uh, we mentioned Yasa is pretty strict. Uh, most other places, they're fairly strict with it, but I, we're just saying Yasa because they're like extremely strict. But whatever region you're at, those safety regulations can be a big, uh, a big holding point or a choke point for whatever technology you're trying to do. Like example with like the supersonic flight. Uh, we've covered this in a previous episode. Until some safety regulations let up, there's no supersonic flight that's going to happen in populated areas, period, <laughs> right? So how do you test a supersonic plane commercially when you can't fly over commercial areas, question mark, <laughs> right? Right, and, yeah, so then that's where you need that customer uh, approval, and then they say, hey, we've got a couple of lanes here you can go that fast in. Here's your uh, here's a, a temporary pass for you to come in and, and try it out because we want you to. Yeah. And, and, and another big one to consider is like the, the availability and the reliability of the data you're getting from all these different tests. So in some cases, these data points will come immediately right off the bat. OK, bam, bam, bam. We got a trend. In some cases, like you need to track these trends over time. So it takes a lot longer. Uh, and some of these can be like once every three months, once every six, or we're going to try to push this thing to its absolute limit, but that requires you having to monitor it for X amount of months or years. Uh, examples like life cycle. We can kind of sort of predict a life cycle, but we kind of want to ride it to the dirt just to see exactly how far we can push this thing. <laughs> because if we just kind of give a general ballpark, like, okay, it's made out of this material, it should last this long. There's that keyword should, because we've seen some that says like, this has like a 10,000 flight hour life cycle and it shits itself at 200. So <laughs> um, that, that, those availability of, of information to assess what it's doing, it, it, can be, it, it can be fast or it can be slow and that can be a major choke point itself. And those data points are expensive too. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's sad that all of this goes around the money, but that's more or less like um, <clears throat> another choking point in that regard. So, yeah, I'm almost going to say that's probably the largest choking point. Uh, if money wasn't a factor, I mean, we'd be, we'd be visiting other planets in the solar system. We'd already be at Warhammer 40 K. <laughs> we'd, we'd be fighting galactic wars in the name of the God emperor. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. We'll be traveling through the warp and everything. Or we'll actually, we might actually have a webway instead of just having to descend through the dimension of hell to get to places. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> right. So, so, uh, and also like the, a good way to assess 
like that you know your technology is ready or it's ready for implementation is you your abilities is tried and tested like we we can predict with a 95% degree of confidence that this is going to work exactly as planned and we have these predictable uh fixes should something go wrong for the most part right because you know things degrade over time but at least for this period we can tell you this is what's going to happen uh like how versatile it is like air quote nimble like can it do what it wants can it can it add more on can it take some off what can we do to deviate should we have to um like the ability to sustain itself right that sustainability is probably like one of the bigger things i think that kind of determines the the life cycle of any kind of technology it's like how sustainable is this uh, an example was again with the sr71 fantastic plane right and had it not been for satellites it probably would still be flying all over the place but what what also would have been a big problem for this is the fact that it it guzzles fuel like it's fucking cool <laughs> so uh, the amount of fuel it will take to keep that thing in the air, plus only certain type of planes can carry the fuel that it needs and so forth and so forth. Shit gets expensive. <laughs> so Yeah, imagine having to drive in your drive to work and you have to fill up on the drive there. And by the time you get to work, you have to fill up again. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that kind of fuel consumption. Yeah, that, that's it's terrible. Right. So again, never like mind this- that when you fuel it, it's constantly just drain, draining, and when I say not dripping fuel, draining fuel out of it, because the tolerances and everything were so loose because of the speeds it would go to, it would just, it would just piss fuel all over the ground. And so as soon as it got in the air, it had to hit a tanker immediately. Yeah. And, uh, then, and, and then once it got up to speed and temperatures and all this and everything stretched out, all the joints would tighten up and it would stop leaking. But that, that was how it had to be designed, because otherwise, if you made it tight fittings in a cold, cold environment, once it would stretch up, once it hit, hit temperatures, uh, everything would break apart. Isn't that wild, though, man? Like, I want to say, like, once it's at full speed that or at the minimum cruise speed, it expand, it, 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 the heat expansion is about like four to six inches yeah, all around. It, stre- the it stretches. Yep. It's not, I think that's freaking crazy. Like. Imagine that, man, like the heat expansion is so great. It expands like almost a f- almost like half a foot. Yeah. Freaking, Actually, freaking I want to know who worked on the S- X-Men's SR-71. Maybe that's the one that's still missing. <laughs> right. Who worked on that one? Yeah. It's, so, it's somewhere in a school parking lot, you know what I mean? Like underground and shit. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, uh, which children did they have work on that? And is it child labor laws at that point or because they're air quotes mutants, it's okay. Yeah, right. It's like uh, are we talk we're we're getting into some xenophobic shit, right? Like like uh <laughs> spare not the heretic. <laughs> or suffer not the heretic. <laughs> suffer not the heretic. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Um but uh for for us as line mix, a lot of these technologies, it sounds great. It's fantastic. Don't get us wrong. And some of these we would more than like l- more than love to see it happen. Like greener engines, fantastic. Or safer engines freaking great all for it right but again with the with anything that's new it takes time and some and in some cases we kind of forget about it <laughs> until it shows up again like um yeah i mean a lot of stuff's got to be shelved uh for a while until until either funding catches up or a new need arises for that technology yeah. you know i mean look at a lot of what we know is you know a lot of what the majority of the populace knows is new technology has actually been out for 15 to 20 years already. And yeah. there's, there's already new stuff that superseded it, but it's still in its testing phases. Yeah. Like a, a good example of this is the Osprey, uh, the MV 22, I believe it's called like that aircraft was initially designed, went into concept freaking full brain engineering in, in the eighties, like 1983, I want to say. And oh, it man, I thought it was before that. And it, and it didn't come into effect. Like it didn't like uh, get built and tested and all that until like about 2006. Right. So like almost like a full. Was it that soon? Yeah. We'd already been in uh, Afghanistan, Iraq for a few years when that thing became, came online. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Wow. So like, uh, I want to say it was like early 2000, like 2001, 2002, 
when they said, okay, we were, we're going to build a brand new Osprey. We're going to build this plane. It's called an Osprey. They like showcased like an example of what they wanted to do. It's kind of a 3D model of what they wanted to do. And then it, it the first one rolled off the lot around 2006, 2007 is when it rolled off the lot. But it, the design of this, the whole brainchild of this thing came in, came from the 80s. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. So picture that, right? Like something that was in the mix for almost 30 years. Actually, it was like 20-something years at that point. But 20-something years it took from the time they, they first came up with the idea to the time it was actually put on the field. So again, with like these newer technologies, I mean, as innovations come through, right? It, it get, gets everyone excited. Like, oh, cool, right? But uh, until like there's an actual need or a use for this, it's just going to sit on the shelf until someone's ready to fork the money for it. Or uh, like as MVP said, like the idea is great. The benefits are great. The efficiency is great, but we just don't have the money to do it. And some of these yeah. things can, can cost in the billions. <laughs> and there's few people out there who can afford to do it on their own. Uh, you know, SpaceX and uh, Elon Musk, they're, they're, he's one of the few that can go, yeah, I don't need your money. Thanks. I'll, uh, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And uh, he is, and he's, he's, you know, they've designed, uh, the brilliant minds over there. They've designed repeatable, uh, you know, takeoff and landing rockets, uh, up and down, up and down. And, you know, and you say, okay, well, that's fantastic. But his big goal was Mars. How come he hasn't made it to Mars yet? Well, and, and the reality of it is, is, uh, you know, we can get stuff there, but we can't get people there yet the journey's too long and you know i don't think we have maybe the cryostasis abilities to you know you would need multi-generational crews on board to be able to make the journey unless you use cryostasis and you say well i don't think that technology is yet there either yeah. uh unless you believe the uh the uh What's the, the conspiracies around uh, Disney had developed that a long time ago and <laughs> Walt Disney's in cryostasis and everything else. I mean, I mean, you know, they yeah. say the uh, moon landing didn't happen and that was all filmed in Disney film sets. That's why there's a limited number of footage because it was so advanced for the time. Hmm. Sorry, everybody. A little conspiracy there for you. Something, <laughs> no, wait, something I... to contemplate over your family dinner. Right, <laughs> but but uh, but again, like uh, you were saying, especially with SpaceX, like you got individuals that have that kind of money to blow and uh, love or hate what SpaceX does. I mean, they're progressing extremely fast for the the amount of things that they're trying to do. Like especially with the touch and go rockets. Yeah, have their missions been successful? Kind of, sort of. But again, like for I think like uh, some places they they take failure as a learning curve. So like, well, it, and that kind of goes into the safety bit, right? Like how safe do we want it to be before it get, before it, it, it leaves the deck? There, there can be some red tape behind that. There can be some government oversight behind that, right? Depending on where you are, obviously. But um, in the case of SpaceX, I mean, they crash as much as they send up, but in the, in the times they crash, they know what works and what didn't. And they're learning this real time. And the good part is, is like, there's not people on board to do this. <laughs> so at least I don't think there's people on board, but um, uh, those failures actually count for success. And in terms of aircraft, that kind of sort of runs the same way. Like when we develop new engines, we, we stick this in a cell and we max the crap out of this and then go 20% more to see just how maxed we can really get before this thing blows itself up. And that's how we know like, okay, do not exceed this fast ever <laughs> or if you go this fast it will auto excel on its own and then grenade itself stuff like that and yeah once you get a certain rpm range uh if it goes beyond that there's no stopping it until it uh send is it send tripital send tripital force uh turns into a giant frag grenade at, at 150,000 rpms or whatever yeah and then uh as as long as long as this is the the innovation and the technology this works out for us as mechs because like we at least have some kind of uh comfort knowing that this thing has gone through some some form of rigmarole 
before it gets in our hands commercially or at least um, for full use. So there's like some data behind it. Like there's trends, there's manuals, there's stuff about it. And sadly, some of that stuff is probably proven by mistakes, <laughs> right? Like we wrote this with our own mistakes. With, and in this, in the same sense, it's kind of good because now we know like this is the do not pass go line. Um, and that's part of the reasons why like we, a lot of the stuff does take forever because we don't know what these lines are and we're trying to figure it out. And we can kind of guesstimate and ballpark it, but we won't know for sure until we get there kind of thing. And it's better we get there in a controlled environment versus like figuring this out as it's on the line with people in it or people putting hands on it. And yeah, it, uh, we've seen some incidences where that kind of stuff has happened and um, not fun. <laughs> oh, man. Uh any anything else about the uh, progressive technology and why it's not um, here today, MVP? Um, well, in my own personal opinion, it's limited by uh, it's limited by money funding. Um, if you had you know unlimited resources to you know money resources or financial resources to pay to pay the hours to pay the time to pay uh, for higher grade materials and you know bigger test labs where you can uh, you know there's only a few test labs around the united states anyway where you can do uh full airframe you know temperature testing right um, mm -hmm. extreme colds extreme heats uh basically like it was flying in the ocean soaking it with water all these kind of things so you know, if each if each company had their own environment where they could throw anything in there at any time they wanted, you know, I think uh, again, I think we'd be already living in the Warhammer 40k universe. Hell yeah, I'm all about but, that. But uh, and also, in my own opinion, you know, if you said, "Well, MVP, what would you like the industry to focus on for technology?" I want my R2D2 robot mechanic helper. Is what I want. Yeah, right. Give me, <laughs> give me that. Yeah, <laughs> give, I want give, it. Give me the the freaking robot mechanic droid. Damn it! <laughs> that if there's anything we want, I want the droid. Please, <laughs> please give me the droid. And I also need something where I can understand his beeps and boops into <laughs> language. And then when I speak in my language, uh, he understands, or they understand, or it understands. Right? <laughs> would that technically be an extra worker, or would that be considered a tool? <laughs> uh. I, well, I think it depends on if your if your robot helper kind of upsets you that day, you know. It's like, oh, hey, if we're working well together, yeah, man, my partner and I we work great together. But you know, if it gets a AI self developed attitude, kind of like the real R two D two, you know, you can call it a tool. <laughs> it starts learning how to be a freaking asshole, <laughs> knowing <laughs> knowing mechanics. That will ha that's exactly what will happen. Like the fuck's up with these damn droids? Like, oh, they've been they're they're mechanic droids. Oh, oh, got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're they're also laced with sarcasm and hate. Uh, <laughs> they learn they learn sarcasm and hate because of us. <laughs> do not teach. Do not let these embed with the mechanics. Like let them work with them, but as soon as they're done, turn them off. Take them outside because they will learn how to be just like them. <laughs> when they plug in, when they plug in at the end of the day, it's like they get a a whole uh, uh, memory wipe and reboot with yeah. the new software again. So every day is like starting fresh, like 51st dates, but for droids. <laughs> <laughs> they got to relearn it, how to be your partner again, every single yeah, day. To relearn it, who you are and know that you're not an, and thinks that you're not an asshole. And by the end of every, every shift, you're already back to fighting at each other and cursing and beeps and boops at one another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love it um please make this happen please make this happen <laughs> i'm all for it <laughs> and then like aside from the money choke point and and whatnot again it's all down to well besides money and resources it's also the safety regulations and the intent of what we're trying to fulfill because a lot of stuff has great ideas but so it's one of those like when you sit with it it really doesn't answer much right like you get a fantastic idea and you're like it just sounded cool but it doesn't really have any kind of application <laughs> but hey let us know what you guys think like uh, how do you think technology is going to progress faster than it needs to be do you think it's not progressing fast enough uh, how soon do you think we're going to see something new and 
should we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What What do you think the next phase of the industry is? Yeah. You know, uh, you know from my perspective, it's uh, it's hypersonics, right? And mm-hmm. space. So, you know, for a long time, it was, okay, let's, let's extend, you know, long distance. Let's extend the range of these. How, how long can we fly and how many people can we take? And then it turned into uh, the stealthy unmanned. Well, it turned into unmanned, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then, you know, and then that progressed into the stealth uh, and, and a multitude of platforms and okay. And now it's like, uh, well, let's go fast. Mm-hmm. Let's go fast again. Let's go SR 71, but on cocaine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, some, some, some manufacturers are looking at that, but I think as a whole, my assumption is fast in space. Yeah. Um, controlling, uh, you know, okay. You can say, this is going to be a grim outlook on it, people, but you know, with the way the world is and how humans are by nature, I just foresee it. And I think it's going to be okay. Whoever can control the atmosphere controls, uh, the world. Yeah. So you can say, Oh, well, we disagree with you and we're going to nuke you. That's cool. I got a, I got a laser or uh, overhead right now. That'll, uh, glass your, your entire country. If you, uh, want to play games, if you want to play <laughs> the French around and find out, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I think also, too, that's going to lean along the lines of smarter. Like uh, we're kind of seeing it now with airplanes where it can tell us what's wrong with itself. So it might even get so smart where like it starts like. Figure out how to fix itself, you know, what I mean, and yeah. maybe not entirely fix itself, but it will start like die. It can almost have like some kind of, I don't know, like self repair system before it actually have to have a mechanic well, or an engineer. Let's let's use the. uh what was it Star Wars? The uh, clone? No, the. Oh my gosh, boy! There's gonna be a lot of fans out there. They're gonna want to string me up for this one. <laughs> was it the uh, the Clone Wars or the the attack of the? Oh, the one with the droids in there. There's mm-hmm. Padme and all of them when they when they meet them. They go to Tatooine for the first time. Yeah. Uh, oh, anyways, that- what was the name of that one? Oh, the pit droids you're talking about? Like the, the ones where like little mechanic droids that fix each other? Well, yeah, there's those. But I was thinking on that, that movie when they're taking the, the queen and the princess, you know, off planet. Oh, and they're uh, trying to hide. And their, their shield generator gets damaged by the uh, Empire and the blockade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three R2-D2s go onto the uh surface of the of the ship as it's flying and they're fixing it two of them get taken out r2d2 is the actual one who who fixes it and makes it back inside yeah so something along those lines right and and so i gave you my grim outlook on the future but here's what i like to tell myself before i go to bed would be something along the lines of six head which is the long-term space travel uh we humans get into a cryostasis uh, chamber on board and we have we have ai C-3PO's and R2-D2's running the ship and everything for the millennia that it takes to get to wherever we want to go. And then, you know, wake us up when we, when we get close, think of the David AI character in the movie Prometheus. Mm, Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Now David all, all sort of ultimately turned bad. Right. But, but let's, let's keep the happy spin on that. And that, that's kind of where I think we're going to go is we're going to start expanding into the stars a little bit, which would be cool because, you know, it'd be, you know, we've, we've heard um, astronomers and others talk about uh, what's that planet Titan, something out there that they say is a larger, almost, you know, model of, of earth, sort of like uh, the planet in uh, avatar. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, it's slipping my head right now, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that'd be a freaking good outlook. You know, you know, but they say for us to get there, that would take. Oh my gosh, uh, I suppose the last number I heard it was like nearly it was three to five hundred years somewhere in that realm. Jesus, right? So think about you would have to put you would have to humans would have to procreate on board for generations to be able to for humans to get there in time, unless you can cryostasis us for 
centuries and have AI overlook us and everything else. And then we wake up upon arrival, but you know, that'd be pretty, pretty cool to actually see what else is out there uh, in the universe. Uh, although we might not like what we find either. This is very true. <laughs> we find a freaking Tyranid horde and shit. Oh my God, we fucked up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go back. Yeah, biomass, no. <laughs> <laughs> but again, let us know what you all think, right? Like uh, what's what's coming up? What's coming new? Should we have some of these things? And what do you think is the is the next step? Hey, let us know in the comments. Let us know in our social medias, our website, our email. Whichever way is easiest for you. The absolute best way to get in touch with us is discord via our patreon we have all sorts of conversations like this the what ifs the will do's uh some uh, some other things that can help us all connect the dots and become better mechanics but hey we thank you all again for listening and we'll catch you all on the next one bye everybody bye everyone we would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes maintain our gear and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to erica lamont Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at CANX for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.